This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Welcome to the Circuit of Success, and thank you for joining me. You know, it's been said that success comes to those who wait, but I believe the opposite. I believe that it's earned with the right attitude, a great belief system, and action every single day. When you mix that in with faith, courage, discipline, and most importantly, a vision, that's when greatness happens. Now let's dive right in to this week's guest. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I'm your host, Brett Gilliland, and today... And I've got a buddy in here. I've got a, uh, but I've got a college football Hall of Famer in here, Dana Howard. What's up, bro? How you doing, man? Good, man. How are you? Good. I can't complain. Good to see you. Same here. See you now in the hood. We're driving around. Yeah, We're no neighbors. Doubt. Yeah, right, 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 right. When it gets warmer, maybe we can walk down and have a beer at each other's exactly. house. Exactly. I can't wait. Right. It's, uh, it's been too cold, man, for too long. So. Yes, it has. Well, I'm excited to have you, and uh, one, congratulations, man, on the College Football Hall of Fame. That's a big deal, and uh, it's a huge, huge honor, well-deserved. And, and for those of you that may not know Dana, he is a uh, college football player at the great University of Illinois, the Illini, right. and uh, went on and played in the NFL. Uh, right. was a Dick Buckus Award winner. That's what I always say is kind of like the Heisman for the defensive player, right? Exactly, exactly. And so in 1994, he was the uh, Dick Buckus Award winner for the Fighting Illini, Play with a great group of guys, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, later. But, uh, man, just, you know, if you could, walk our listeners who uh, who Dana Howard is and what's made you the man you are today. Well, uh, Dana Howard's a, a young guy from uh, the city of East St. Louis, all 89 blocks, and a guy who grew up on 35th and Adam Court. Um, you know, just a young guy who, you know, all his life just uh, wants to be a professional football player. You know, sports was how, what I grew up with um, doing. You know, every day we got up. We were looking for some game to play, whether it was tennis, baseball, basketball, baseball, track, whatever it was. We just it was all based around sports. Yeah. And so you know, being the youngest, uh, having a, having an older brother, you know, I had someone to look up to and someone to emulate. You know, besides the the pros that were on TV. Right. So you know, that's Dana Howard. Dana Howard's a 45 year old guy who now lives in O'Fallon, Illinois who uh, runs his daughter and son around to sporting <laughs> events. So He's a taxi service Yeah, guy. that's where I am right right now. Right. None of, Neither one of them give me gas money. So, exactly. You know, They're so not paying rent I'm, yet either. Exactly. They? Well, I know you also own a very successful uh, construction company, which we'll talk about later as well. Okay. But you, just walk us through that, you know, that mindset. You know, when you were a kid, you're growing up, you're in, you're in East, uh, East St. Louis, and you knew you wanted to be a professional athlete. And was that something that started really early on in your life? Or at yeah. what point did you actually believe you could be a professional? Well, I, I believe I, the belief started in the fourth grade. Uh, the fourth grade, I was in, in class, and, you know, I was thinking about, you know, the progression of how to get to the pros. And I knew it started with, you know, school, but then I, I said, well, either I'm going to go to – I got to go to college because that's the only way I can go, get to the pros. So, you know, at the time, you know, not really knowing a lot about colleges, Mizzou was the only thing that we saw in this area. So I was like, well, I guess I'll go to Mizzou, uh, get a degree, and then I'll go to the pros. And from, you know, so I was like, well, first I got to kind of come up with a signature. <laughs> so in the fourth grade, that day I started – Signing my signature, which, which is now what I, I a better version of what I did then is my signature. Yeah. That I signed for autographs. So I said, you know, I have to have something how I can sign my autographs. So I started working on it in the fourth grade. And, and you know, fourth grade, I'm just talking to me in my head, thinking about things. And, you know, I always thought I could. Well, what? I always, I had a teacher in the, in the seventh, eighth, and ninth who always says, 
said, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. So in the fourth grade, I thought I could, you know, not knowing that I was a kid from East St. Louis who, you know, if I read the statistics, I didn't have much hope. Right. Or either, you know, really wasn't going to live to be past 21 years of age because of the way my hood was. Yeah. So, you know, my thought was, you know, I, this is what I want to do. I knew I want to be a professional in something. I just didn't know what it was going right. to be. So, well, I think it's funny. So, if I have three girl cousins that uh, one of the games we played as a kid, it was Jennifer and Christina and Lindsay, was I would sit in my grandpa's office. We'd go in the basement. I'd sit in the office. They all worked for me in our little imaginary business, and they would come in, and I'd have to sign pieces of paper. That was the game they played. Right. And one time I was in my office, and I had three ladies sitting in here, and I was signing stuff. I'm like, oh, my gosh, it came true. Yeah. So I texted my cousins. I'm like, you're not going to believe this. So, right. And they're all doing well now and have their families. It's just kind of our little funny joke. But, but I believe in that, man. I believe you put something in your mind in fourth grade, you visualized it, and, and just did whatever you could to make it happen. Yeah, so, you know, from there it was, you know, Going, and, and it's also a part of, you know, your environment, you know, uh, and it's, well, your environment plus is the people who, who you hang out who are more like you. Right. So everyone on my street were athletes, you know, my brother, he went to University of Miami, played football. Uh, my neighbor down the street, he went to Illinois State to play football. You know, a couple other mm-hmm. guys went on track scholarships. So, you know, this, this, this was kind of just our mindset. So, right. you know, we knew in order to be better, we had to continue to do what we what we we were doing so and it's kind of one of those things like i try to explain to my daughter who plays sports you know it's it, you know it's a, it's a bad word that i use for her it's, it's a bad analogy what's well, not an analogy but it's an analogy how i use it but the word i use is plagiarism i told her it's, it's a bad word in school but when it comes to sports it's the greatest thing mm-hmm. ever and um i explained to her you know she plays tennis softball and runs track so i explained to her like in tennis you know when I, we were little we, we would go in the house, we would watch, you know, for me it was the Pittsburgh Steelers or right. the uh, Big Red at the time, St. Louis Cardinals. And I would watch Pat Tilly, you know, um, you know E.J. Anderson, and, you know, all those guys, yeah. you know, uh, and I would watch them. And, you know, uh, Neil Lomax and I would watch, you know, um, Terry Bradshaw, oh, yeah. those guys with the Steelers. And I would go outside and try to emulate everything I saw them do. So if he would catch the ball with one hand, I'd try to catch the ball, go outside and catch the ball with one hand. I didn't really realize what two feet right. meant, getting two feet in, and football meant back in the day. But I, I would do that. And, you know, we would go out and play baseball. You know, I, I would want to be, uh, you know, you know, Ozzie Smith. Right. So I would try to catch the ball. I, but, but what I'm saying is, you know. I, yeah, your plagiarism I, I, point is, that's a great point. Right. So I, my, my thing was, I was, I didn't know what back then that I was plagiarizing. Right. You know, which is, again, in school is the worst thing ever, but in sports it's the best thing. Right. So I would go out and try to be those people. And so, to my point is what I try to tell my daughter now is if you don't watch it, you can't be it because you have to pay attention to what the great ones do and take a little bit of take a little bit of each person and make and create create your own game yeah. create your own success yeah that's that's profound. I like that. I might have to use that at home myself. Um, talk to us about you said you know some people don't you know do you even live past twenty one twenty two years old? I mean, what was different for you because it, it could have gone one or two ways, probably right? True I mean, if you grow up there, as you said in the hood or I think that's the, the word you used how How did you not fall into that trap? Well, because you know again it's it's about you know your group of friends, you know everybody I hung out with we all did the same thing. We all played sports, we all 
know, it was just what we did. We played sports. We went to school, you know. Now, some were, you know, were obviously a little smarter than others in school, but, you know, it is what it is. Some right. gave a damn, some didn't. Right. Uh, but it was one of those where I hung around people who wanted to be like me. And so, you know, going through junior high school and high school and seeing the success of, I mean, East St. Louis obviously is a sports town. Right. So whether it would it was baseball, football, track, or basketball, you had someone who you could see who kind of made it. Yeah. You know, by going to college, you at least got an opportunity to better yourself, you know, whether it had been with a, a degree or going on to play in the NBA, yeah. be a Jackie John Kersey, be a Kellen Winslow, be a uh, LaFonso Ellis, you know, Brian those Cox, type of things. Brian Conzo Cox, Martin. you know, Conzo Martin, you know, guys like that. So, you know, for us, it was more so, you know, it's an opportunity, opportunity yeah. to do something because, you know, you had the other guys where they, they, they were obviously the guys who, you know, needed attention. So they, they, they needed some, someone else to be with them, i.e. the game members. Right. So I was always an individual. So, you know, I didn't need anybody. You know, I, I felt like I was, I, I'd always been a leader all my life. So it was more so like, I don't need a bunch of guys to, to, to you know, define me, right. you know. I, I am, you know, not being arrogant, but that was my mindset sure, that, right. you know, I, I am the, I am the, I'm the, man. I'm the Omega and Africa. So I'm, I'm, you know, so I right. said Omega first because I am Omega, which is my fraternity. But, yeah. you know, people say Alpha Omega, but for us it's Omega Alpha. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was the guy. So, so I didn't need anybody else to complete me. Yep. So that, that's always been my mindset is, you know, I, you know, when I step on the field or if I walk in somewhere, you know, someone's going to notice me regardless because right. of the, the way I carry myself. Yep. So what ultimately, uh, you said, you know, you thought about going to Mizzou as a kid because around here we hear way more Mizzou than we hear anything else. Right. But what ultimately took you to be a fighting Illini? Actually, Illinois really wasn't my first choice. Like I said, my brother went to the University of Miami, played for Jimmy Johnson. Wow. And uh, he played behind uh, uh, Jerome Brown and in front of Russell Maryland. So two guys who were first rounders. So I should have been the guy who already had a brand new truck <laughs> pulling up at the University of Illinois. But right. what ended up happening was um, he got into trouble with, at Miami. Jimmy Johnson kicked him out. He being your brother, my brother. Yeah, uh, he was like one of the top ten defensive linemen in the country at the time. Wow. Out, of, out of East St. Louis, senior. He actually was a better football player than me. And um, so he, he sent him. He sent him home. He ended up going to ju- junior college. Then after. Uh, Jerome Brown graduated, which was the next year. He called, warned my brother back at the University of Miami. My mom told him, "Don't call, don't come by the house, don't lose my number." And when my other son comes up, don't don't come to the house looking for him either. So originally, I was supposed to go to the University of Miami. Right. So had had he done right. So um, so from that point on, you know, my my first my brother goes away to school. It doesn't turn out good. So now it's my turn. So my mom's like. Just be honest with you, you, you stand close. Right. So I was like, I'm gonna keep an eye on you, boy. Yeah, yeah. Right. So it's like, you know, okay, I guess. So I go to University of Oklahoma for a recruiting visit. Had a ball. So really was thought about committing, but I was like, she ain't gonna let me do it. And with the Michigan, I was like, eh, I think I, I like Michigan, but I was like, she ain't gonna let me do it. So I went to Iowa, and really, I didn't want to go there, but it was a buddy of mine, Marvin Lampkin, went there. So it was, you know, one of those courtesy things. Yeah. And then I went to uh, Arizona State. I'd never been to Arizona, so I was just, you yeah, know. I'll go for the free trip. Yeah, right? it was a free trip <laughs> vacation, so it was cool. And so uh, then I went to U of I. Didn't have near, near as fun as I had at the other four. But she was like, this is where you're going. I was like, all right, well, so. I ended up going to University of Illinois. You know, unbeknownst to me, well, well, let me let me back up and say this. 
I also thought about it my senior year because I was at all these schools and I, I didn't know anybody there. So I'm thinking like, man, you know, what happens if I need a little help on, a, on, on, on homework or this or that? I know people that are from East St. Louis Senior or from the surrounding areas that, that are going to go to the University of Illinois. But if I'm here in Oklahoma, I don't know anybody right. who's going to look out for me. And, and I, I was kind of thinking at the same time, although, you know, I'm 18 years old, I'm really not trying to hear what my mom's saying. But at the same time, I'm thinking, like, you know, she kind of got a point. Right. And so, you know, it, Illinois was. So, again, it goes back to those people you're surrounding yourself with, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, people who I know who, you know, who are smart, who are a little bit smarter than me, and who might be able to help me in, you know, classwork-wise. Because, right. you know, I ain't going to lie, I wasn't a – a, B, C, I mean, A, B student. I was a C student. Right. I was just, I was one of those guys that really didn't try hard. Right. But, it, but I, you know, I, I could make a decent, you know. But you had something C. on your mind. You're going to go, uh, you, you yeah. weren't going to school to, to, to get an edge. Well, you were going there. You got your education, but you were going there to tackle some people and then right. go play the NFL. Right. That was my goal was the NFL. Right. But, you know, at the same time, I understood in order to, to get on the field, I had to, I had to make sure I passed my, my classes. So, right. you know, it's funny. I never really thought about school as, I mean, I knew I, I didn't want to graduate one because I didn't want to be a dumb job. Right. But I never thought that I'd go to graduate school. That's what really kind of got me. So I ended up going to graduate school and, you know, having essentially two degrees kind of right. really shocking me. a phenomenal me. university. Yeah, no doubt. Right. So for me, it was like, damn, I, I ended up with two degrees from university. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? <laughs> damn sure not me. <laughs> exactly. So, and maybe not your mom, right? No, right. right. So so that's how I got to University of Illinois. It, it was cool. I mean, I, I – I wouldn't change for nothing in the world. If I could do it all over again, I would go back and do the exact yeah, same thing because yeah. that's how much fun I had. Yeah, and I know you do some stuff now and help those kids and mentor some of them and, and do all that stuff. But and, and so now you get there, you're at University of Illinois. You, you had a you know a great team and you had some yeah. some good guys. So talk to us about that. Yeah, we just I mean we were just a bunch of you know guys. Some guys were not highly touted guys like Simeon wasn't at the time a highly touted guy, but you know he had a growth spurt. I guess he went from like five eleven to six five. Uh, John Hull said he was a good player, but he wasn't a highly touted guy. Cameron Hardy was a good guy, he wasn't a highly touted guy. And then there was me, who was the highly touted guy. And uh, you know, my mindset was, you know, I didn't want to go to the University of Michigan and just be another guy. Right. You know, I wanted to go somewhere where I could start something. And so they could say, Well, Dana Howard helped build that. You know, yeah. or not really. I mean, I, I was hoping that they would say that, but you know, my right. mindset was more so. I just want to be, I want to be the guy. So I go there and, and I can make guys around me better. That was my mindset, yep. and it, it was fortunate enough that that I was able to do that. You know, just by by my play. It wasn't by what I said because you know, people you know talk is cheap. You yep. know, actions speak a lot of words. So yep. my goal was to get out on the field, do what I had to do, and uh, and so it worked. You know, I. My, my sophomore year, I started as, as a redshirt freshman, and I didn't want a redshirt because I, I thought you were a scrub if you redshirted. But unbeknownst to me that, you know, redshirting was the best thing ever for me because I got acclimated to school. Yep. Um, I got opportunities to be, be bigger, stronger, faster, and to learn the defense. Yep. So, I mean, it was the best thing I, I, I ever could have done. And I see how guys nowadays, these young guys, everybody wants to, I'm coming in and playing. Yeah, that's cool. But essentially, you're really losing a year because you don't know what you're doing. Right. You know, so versus coming in red shirt and getting bigger, stronger, faster, and smarter, now when you go out there, you're not playing 
half speed, you're playing full speed because you know what you're doing. Right. Nowadays, these young guys out there, and they, they're kind of half-assing it because they don't know exactly you know exactly what's going on. Yep. They're, they're still playing high school speed, you know, versus college speed. Right. You know, so yeah, that's what's crazy when you look at that national championship game there, Alabama. I mean, when they have you know, a true at the end, right, the second half, true freshman quarterback, wide receiver, running back. I mean, that was just crazy. Yeah, what yeah. Those guys were able to do, but yeah. that's a whole other podcast. Um, so talk to us about like leadership. When you when you think about leadership, obviously there's been a lot of great people in your life. But who's that person that you really looked up to that kind of took you under their wing and said, "Let's go, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna help make Dana Howard great." Well, uh, in high school, obviously it was my high school coach Bob Shannon. Junior high school was more so a teacher of mine I had named Ron Woods, and he was you know he kind of got myself and the rest of the guys. You know he was he was the guy that always told us he had a sign in his room that said, you know, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And we all looked at it like, what the hell does that mean? Whether you think you can, he's like, well, you know, if you think you're good, you're good. If you think you're smart, you're smart. If you think you're not, you're not. He said, it's it's not one of those where people are telling you that. It's up to you. Right. It's kind of like, you know, same thing with my mom and dad used to say, you know, the only, only thing that holds you back is you. No one can make you feel or do anything uh, that you don't want to feel or do without your permission. Yep. So, and essentially, it's the same thing that Mr. Woods was saying. You know, whether you think you're great, you're great. Whether you think you're not, you're not. So, I always carried that in my mentality that, you know, I think I'm good. You know, so, yeah. you know, I need to go out there and, and, and show that I'm good. I, I, you know, I, I got to think, I got to keep thinking that because otherwise, you know, I don't want to be average. You right. know, and for me, and don't get me wrong, average isn't bad, but it's it's bad for me. Right. So, you know, for people who think average is good, that's all. Now, I have no problem with that, but... For me, average was was below grade, yep. you know. So, so have you ever told Mr. Woods that what, what he meant to you? You know, actually, Mr. Woods passed about uh, about twelve, about fifteen years ago, I believe. Okay. So I never had an opportunity to tell him yeah. that because he was, you know, you know, you have people in your life, and you know, and it's unfortunate that you don't tell them what they mean to you, and and, and you don't have opportunity to until. And, and until they pass, it's like, man, I wish I would have. Right. So that that's something that in my older age I'm kind of learning to, you know, tell people what they mean to me yep. prior to hopefully nothing happens to them. But, right. you know, I mean, it's, it's good for them to hear it. Yeah, you know. Well, it made me think of Mr. Harshberger. I've People that have listened have probably heard me reference this guy. I can't remember if he was my eighth grade or ninth grade. Whatever it was, he was our history teacher. And he said, you have two ears and one mouth. Use them proportionately. You know, and he probably just made the comment, right? But for me, it's one of those things that has stuck with me. That's like, man, I got to listen twice as much as I talk. Yeah. Right? And True. so I think I need to go back to Mr. Harshberger. So if anybody knows where Mr. Harshberger is, let me know. I need right. to get a hold of that guy. <laughs> um, so talk about, um, you know, the circuits of success. Let's talk about attitude. So when you hear that word, what comes to mind? Uh, thinking that I, my, my thoughts of who I am or, or who, I want, who I wanted to be. Yep. You know, as an athlete as a, and as a person. So for you, it's definitely a vision. I mean, I, I hear a lot in what you're saying is it was vision driven uh, more than anything. Yeah, because I mean, like I said, I, fourth grade, I you know, I told myself I wanted to be a professional football player. Yeah. So it was like, you know, okay, well, so what are you going to have to do? So that's what goes back to, you know, if that's what you want to do, then, you know, you need to take the correct steps. Right. Of, of doing it, you know. Nowadays, it's it's easier for the kids because you know people like me and you. We take our kids to hit in practice and this practice. You know, we didn't have all that. Yeah, no, we did not. Yeah, it was just you go out and play. And, and and as a kid, you know, I just went out and played and tried to get myself better. So when you hear the word uh, belief, 
what were those beliefs? And it's probably a lot of the same things, but what were some of those beliefs that you had to do every single day, the habits, the rituals, whatever it was, what were those things you need to do to be successful? Obviously the thought process of believing that I, I could do a lot of things. I mean, it's, it wasn't just football, but it was, you know, I played baseball. So in baseball, you know, it was, hey, you know, this, this guy's older. So obviously he throws a little harder. Right. So, you know, you got to believe you can hit his fastball. You got to believe you got you can hit his curveball. Or, you know, in track, when I threw the shot put through the discus, this guy here is 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he might, you know, you look at a guy visually like, man, he looks like, you know, uh, Hulk Hogan. But, you know, it doesn't mean he can throw the discus or throw a shot any further than you can. So, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, it's a, it's a mindset. Obviously, you know, looking at people, is, it's kind of one of those where it's, uh, you can think anything you want to think, but once you see that guy, I mean, he puts his pants on like you. Right. Just because he's bigger doesn't mean he's stronger or better. Right, absolutely. And then um, let's talk about your football days. Let's talk about U of I, best game, most fun, one you're most proud of. Well, I, you know, that's hard because I don't know if I can really say one particular game because, I, I mean, every game for me was fun because I just went out to – and did what I love to do, which is right. tackle, be with my guys, and, and just have a good time. So that was, you know, it was, you know, I would say my entire career because I was, for me, I thought I was born just to, you know, make tackles. You know, <laughs> I didn't want to, I never wanted to play running back because I didn't like getting hit. So I figured I'd be on the other side of the fence. Right. You'd rather do the hitting. Yeah, I'd rather do the hitting. Hit. I wanted, I wanted, you know, I wanted to, you know, I, I, I didn't want to be kind of an a-hole, but I wanted right. to, you know, inflict pain you know right. that's that oh, was just yeah, yeah. that was my mentality you, know, you gotta I just, think that way. yeah so you know i i just wanted to you know make tackles and make people not want to come back yeah i don't know i don't know the uh, that's why i'm asking this but i don't know the answer so is there a uh, you know this whole brain stuff they're talking about in the nfl are you seeing more offensive people have it than defensive people or is it really kind of the same well i think it's a little bit of the same i mean because for a guy like myself playing linebacker you know at any given play i'm hitting someone so right. if, if it's a yeah, running play over. If it's a running play, I'm, I'm, I might be taking on, you know, a tackle who's coming to block me on the right side. He might put his helmet on the right side of my ear and hit me. And then from there, I shed him. I got to take on the fullback if it's the ISO. So I'm taking on the fullback, and I can't uh, take one for one. So I got to take on the fullback, get rid of him, and make the tackle. So at any given play, I'm hitting, you know. You get two or three people coming right. at you. So, you know, and, and, and back in the day, it was, you know, you, it was called you getting your bell rung. Right. You know, so, you know, I might have got my bell rung probably 20, 30, 40 times and just not really paid any attention right. to it because it was. They just let you play through it then, yeah, right? because you were. You know your name? Yes. Okay, yeah, fine. You, get you, out there and play. That's right, because you, right. weren't, you weren't tough. The coaches, right. you know, it was, it was about manhood at that right. point for a coach getting in your face. So, you're not tough. You're not tough. You know, you just got a little headache. You'll right. be all right, you know, not knowing that we were getting CTE. Right. You know right. what I mean? Which, you know, when but, you're a kid, you're following your dreams, you're getting paid, you're doing the paid, obviously, in the NFL and right. doing all that stuff. So it's like, man, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. And so I don't there's a lot of work going on with that stuff. So, so talk to us about the speed of the game. Obviously, you go from high school to University of Illinois to the NFL. I mean, it's just got to be – is it completely different when you're playing? And you're playing Big Ten football, so it's not like you're just playing at, you know, some – little college well i mean you know in college you know obviously you know high school is it's the best athlete wins college is more so you know the guy who wants to step his game up is better because he's paying attention to his plays and he's right because you're all good fast. at that Every, everybody's, everybody's good. good at big 10 but in the league everybody's great and the thing that separates the winners from the losers is those who want to hang out and party or those who get in the books and get in the film room and studying because, I mean, we all can run. I'm, it's, every guy out there runs 
at least a four or five. Right. You know, some are faster, sub four two, sub four three. You know, and then there are guys who are benching six, seven hundred pounds, squatting twelve hundred pounds. So right. everybody's bigger, stronger, faster. It's more so about the guys who do and who don't. So when you see a team win or or, or they say, oh, that was a big hole that opened up, well, it's probably because somebody missed their assignment. What, what's your driving force today? Obviously, you had a successful college career, successful NFL career. Um, what'd you play? You played for uh, the Bears, the the Rams, the Cowboys, and the Eagles, and the Eagles. Yeah, and, you know? and in Amsterdam, and in Amsterdam. Yep. And so, uh, so who who's the home team? Who who you who you call your home team? Well, I mean, obviously, St. Louis was. You know, when I played here in St. Louis, it right. was home, but it was more of a headache than it was home because when you play at home, everybody thinks that. You know, you know, when you were five years old and you, your cousin bought you a little little car out to you know grocery store. Right. You know, he he or she reminds you of that that's why they need two tickets to the game. Right. That's a good point. You know, yeah, so if it's, you're it's, playing it's, out in Dallas or something, they don't yeah. necessarily call you every Right, day. because they can't get there as quick. Right. You know, so it's it's a headache playing I at bet. home. But playing away is much much better because you don't have to deal with the phone calls. Somebody needs some. Um, somebody needs. Can I hold this? Let me have. Can you let me? You you making millions? No, I'm not making millions. That's what the TV leads you to the, right. to believe. Right. You know, I, I'm making league minimum. Yeah. So. So talk to me about Jerry Jones as an owner. What was it like being a player for him? He was cool. I mean, I I didn't have many interactions with him, but you know, he did he did everything he needed to do to make his team successful. Yeah. So, I mean, if any. Guy you want to play for those type of guys you want to play for who 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 give it all to make sure that, that you're winners and yeah. that's that's the type of guy you know I assumed he was. Yep. So I ask this to every guest. It's a it's a question about fear. I mean, so how much fear did you put in your mind about your success and your future success? Was that something you thought a lot about? I try. To, I really try not to have fear. I mean, obviously everyone fears something. I mean, obviously you fear God. Everybody fears God and death. Yeah. But you know, I, I just tried to be one that you know. I think I try to use it as a motivating factor. If you don't do what you think you need to do or do what you think you want to be, you're going to be another guy back in the streets. Right. Just, you know, I just didn't want to be a, a dumb jock. I didn't want to be a guy back in the hood doing nothing because I, I felt like I wanted to be a guy that people talked about. Right. Not in a bad way, but in a good way. You know, that, man, you know, Dana Howard, he's X, Y, Z, right. he did whatever, whatever. Yeah. But I didn't want to be a guy where they were like, man, just, just like the rest of them. Right. You know, Ain't doing nothing out there, you know, selling drugs. I didn't want to be that guy. Yep. I, didn't, I didn't want to have that stigma tied to my name. Well, it means you're raised with the right values too, right? Yeah, that's true. And, and that's another thing that, in East, I mean, back when, when we were growing up, especially in East St. Louis, it was the, the, the neighborhood raised you. You know, you, you would if you walked down the street and you would walk down the street and Mrs. So-and-so was on her front porch, she heard your curse, yeah. she had the right to discipline you. <laughs> you know, she if she didn't, if she couldn't physically discipline you. She was gonna call your mom or your dad and say, <laughs> "Well, Laverne, son, you know, Daniel's walking down the street and he said X, Y, Z. That's disrespectful." And my mom and dad wouldn't say, "Well, you know, like like they do now." You know, my mom and dad would say, well, "He well, wouldn't cuss." Yeah, yeah, right. They 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 say, "Well, if if she said it, what's her reason for what's her reason for lying on you?" Versus nowadays, the parents, you know, most parents are young and, and they think, "Well." My baby wouldn't do that. Well, right. you don't know what your baby doing when you're right. not around. Right. You know, so so the neighborhood raised us. So we we I mean we had no choice but to be respectful. You know, and knew that we couldn't. You know, if if someone's grown, you don't say certain things. You don't do certain things around them. Uh, you you always respectful. Let them go first or whatever. Right. And so it's I mean that that that's a part of your values. You know right. how you grow up. How how your neighborhood is. And I mean. 
I know people think that East St. Louis is just was a, such a terrible place or is a terrible place, but there are a lot of good people there. A lot Absolutely. of good people like myself who who grew up with good values and understand what values mean. Right. You know, nowadays uh, a lot of the people who are there were from kids having kids. Yep. So it's you know their parents are probably fifteen or sixteen, you know from fifteen or twenty years older than the, than the kids. So you can't hang out with your kid and expect that your kid to be uh, you know disciplined. Right. You know. So I don't know. Yeah, so I think going back to that fear question too. The final the the follow up question that is always how many of the fears you put in your mind and even to this day, but even back in your playing days, how many of them actually came true to the magnitude you thought they were going to be. You know, I still have goals and aspirations of fears that I, I want to, you know, I haven't attained yet, you know. Right, but how many of them actually come true, right, to the what you thought? Like, oh, my gosh, I put it in my mind to be this big, bad thing. How many of them actually turned out to be that way? Uh, well, a lot of them turned out to be good things but not bad things. Right. I mean, you know, like, for instance, I, I wanted to play ball and go to the league, and that, that was the thing that I feared that I wouldn't. I always feared that I had, I wanted to do but didn't want to not be, and so that happened. I went to University of Illinois and graduated. That happened. So that wasn't the fear of me coming back and, and being, you know, a, a guy working for the city. And I mean, that's a bad job. But for me, I didn't want to be that. Right. You know, so those are the fears that, you know, I, I've overcome. Now, obviously, I got more fears. Like, I need to have about $10 million in my checking account. So <laughs> that's the fear that I, gotta, I have to right. conquer now. Right. So, you know, those are things that, you know, I'm still trying to. You know, trying to attain. Right, absolutely. So tell us, what's Dana Howard doing these days? Well, Dana Howard has, uh, you know, owner of a construction company called Zoe LLC, and also I have a trucking side, which is called Zade Trucking. Zoe is my daughter, and Zade is my son. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of work around the St. Louis metropolitan area. Um, you know, we just, you know, we just do with good contractors, so, yep. you know, we keep getting work. Right. These guys are doing a great job. They build great projects. So if you need any good construction companies, you uh, you can holler at Dana. You can holler at me. I can introduce you to Dana. Uh, but, man, it's been awesome having you in here today. Thanks, Brett. And lo- love sharing your story and appreciate all you do for uh, the city of St. Louis. I know Jackie Joyner-Kersey thinks the world of you. Yeah, that's my girl. It's your girl. She was in here, too. She's awesome. Yeah, and she uh, I know she thinks, uh, thanks you for what you're doing for the kids and, and everything at her foundation. So right. keep up the great work, my friend. Thanks, man. Tune in next week for another episode of The Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.